How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? Going about as good as it can. Yeah? What did you guys get up to today? Uh, we went grocery shopping. Anything good? Honestly, we're just picking up stuff for uh, what we're trying to make for dinner tonight and some lunch stuff for the weekend. The Safeway we went to had been uh, panic bought pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because the thing we were looking for but couldn't buy, that wasn't affected by the panic buying. It was just for whatever reason, ground pork is really hard to find. Really? Yeah. Like, we went to we went to Safeway co-op and an Asian market and couldn't find it. Yeah. So I ended up just buying uh, some stewing pork and cutting it up myself. Excuse me, I was amazed that you didn't go to, like, like a butcher shop or something and grab it from them. There isn't a good one downtown. No? No, and uh, we want, we we were on foot. Well, I guess butcher shops are kind of an anomaly nowadays, right? With things like Walmart, Safeway, and whatever kind of grocery yeah. stores. Or, or in the East Coast, we'd Sobeys. You know, those kind of grocery stores already carry meat products. So I can, I can kind of see why butcher shops are kind of an anomaly nowadays. I'm not going to lie, I remember uh, when I used to live in Toronto, we had an awesome butcher just down the street. So we'd go to them for meats, and yeah, it was fantastic. Actually, it was really funny just watching the patterns of of panic buying. So uh, what we're making for dinner is, it's a Chinese-Japanese spicy stew called mapu tofu, which is basically two parts tofu to one part pork. So uh, first thing we noticed, people are panicked, but maybe they're not that panicked. Because, like, all, like, the soft, medium, and firm tofu are all gone, but there was still a lot of extra firm tofu. I was looking at pasta just as we were passing by because we needed some, we are making sure we had all great bean sauces for the sauce, and uh, it was really funny because spaghetti aisle was mostly gone except for uh, Coughlin's brand spaghettini and rigat- all the rigatonis. So it's like, people are, people are panicked, but they're not that panicked. <laughs> The whole canned tomatoes were still there, and the name brand uh, diced and crushed tomatoes are still there, but those were gone, and all of the pre-made pasta sauce was gone. So it was like, again, people are panicked. They're not that panicked. No, and it's weird, right? Because, and you the same thing with the local Walmart, like, all the pasta, all the rice, beans, anything, any, any non-perishable food items are, are gone. Like, the whole shelf was just wiped out. But it's, like, kind of selective, too, hey? Yes, very much so. Because it's like, yeah, oh, all the spaghetti's gone, but here, here's the rigatoni. Okay. And, like, th- there's no real difference between the two, especially because you're probably using both in, if you're just making pasta and throwing sauce on it. Rigatoni and spaghetti are the same damn thing. True, but, I mean, some people prefer spaghetti noodles over rigatoni noodles, though. Yeah, but if you think that you can't go outside for six months, is there really that big a difference between spaghettini and rigatoni? No, not really. I mean, honestly, I really wouldn't have cared myself, but, you know, I guess those people do care, Tim. But that's like, it again, it's like the funny thing about the panic. It's not, maybe not that panicked yet. Very true. So, Tim, let's talk about today's episode, because today's episode is Season 3, Episode 23, in chronological order, Episode 77, the Joe 
Corvo edition. So just a little backstory about Joe Corvo. He was drafted 83rd overall by the Los Angeles Kings in 1997. He went on to play 11 seasons in the NHL, recording 92 goals, 218 assists for 310 points in 708 games with five different teams, Los Angeles, Washington, Boston, and two stints with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Ottawa Senators. He went on to play parts of three seasons with Ottawa, recording 17 goals, 47 assists for 64 points in 152 games. So, Tim, when it comes to these cover athletes, the one question I always like to ask, especially with the guys that played on the 2007 Sens, what, do you, what kind of memories do you have of Joe Corbett? Because I know for myself, there's one memory in particular, and I think it was game... Game two, the Eastern Conference Finals in 2007, when he hammered that shot from the point that went past Miller to put the Senators up 2 nothing in the series. That's the thing with Joe Corvo. It's like, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle in Ottawa in that series because he was kind of a third-line guy. And you know what's funny? Like, if you go back and look at his stats, like, he put up really good numbers for the Senators, too. Like, even in his career, like, he had a couple of years where he scored 14 goals in the season. So it's not yeah. like he's a fucking third-line scrub or, in our case, a third-line plug out there. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, he was definitely more of a second- to third-pairing guy in Ottawa who just kind of got lost in the shovel, right? But it's those kind of moments that, when you look back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that Joe Corvo played on this team, or oh, I didn't realize he had that many goals. He just seems like one of those kind of guys. Yeah, and it's... Like, it's kind of what the other funny thing that you kind of realize is that, wait, Joe Corvo was, a, like, a top-line guy for Carolina for a few seasons? What? Yeah, I mean, the year that, I think the year before he came to Ottawa, he had 14 goals for L.A., and then they let him go. Yeah. Actually, we picked up quite a few defensemen from L.A. for that 2006-2007 run. Who? Because uh, Tom Pricing came over from L.A. that season as well. Ooh, I totally forgot about Tom Pricing. Man, that's that's really going back now. That's Yeah, I don't know why that's the thing I remember. Yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, it seems like the Western Conference was definitely a conference that we somewhat rated when it came to the 07 team because, you know, Corvo came over, Pricing came over, Comrie came over. Supreme came, came over. Yeah, it's just like Dean McCammond. Yeah, Dean McCammon came over, so definitely the Western Conference was very well represented with the Senators in that 2007 run. Yeah, it's a shame that they just ran into the, that uh, Anaheim team that was on a mission. Frickin' Pryor. Frickin' Pryor. So, now that we have talked about a cover athlete, Tim, before we go on and talk about our recaps of our week or previous episode... We're going to do a discussion point later today, as well as the usuals of Top of the Art of the Games. We've got to talk about something very serious. Now, as many of you know, unfortunately, this is our premature Season 3 finale. And unfortunately, it, it had to come to this because of the National Hockey League postponing play. And it sucks. And I understand the frustration everybody has. I understand the disappointment. And we're disappointed. We would like to see the season play out. And we want to sit down and watch hockey. But we recognize that this is a safety and health issue. That shouldn't be taken lightly. And obviously, all the big four sports leagues have done it. All the, whether it's golf, whether it's the you know, Sweet 16, or whatever kind of t- for, uh, tournaments or whatever. 
they're all postponing play because of the coronavirus. And it's disappointing. And I, I get it. So, and as I put up on Twitter as well, that we recognize that we are disappointed. There's nothing we can do about this. But because we were premature, and, and obviously with our season finales, Tim, we always do like, you know, we always have our look, you know, we look back on it and we're like, wow, this was great. And what this, because we didn't see this coming. We don't have one. We don't have one for this episode. Now, it's, let's talk a little bit about what this means for the future of Thrive Pluck. Because just because there's no games doesn't mean we're going to stop producing content. Like, no. No, we're still going to go ahead and we're still got our Season 3 retrospective. We're still going to do our top five actual good things about this year's Sense team. We've still got the second half recap, excuse me, of the 2019-20 Senators with Silver 7 Sense writer and the host of the Internal Podge- Internal Budget podcast, Brandon Mackey. Yeah, I think it's, even if there ain't sports going on, there's still stuff to talk about, and uh, you got to keep a bit of normal in, the, in your life, even as uh, things get locked up even tighter. So, uh, yeah, because it's like, like schools are closing. I've basically been told to work from home. Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and of course, like a, like a lot, all the public schools in Ontario have been shut down. I work at a private school. And I was supposed to go to go back to work not this coming week, but the week after. We're now not going back to work until mid-April. They basically yeah. told the kids that are overseas, do not come back. Not permanently, but obviously don't. You know, it's not safe, and the coronavirus, and everybody is. It's such a panic that do your. You can do online classes it at home. You know, we we're trying to. Um, What's the term I heard online? Self-isolate? Self-isolate, but it's also, uh, they're trying to manage the curve or whatever it's called. Oh, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. They're trying to do that too, right? So they're saying, listen, that especially these, like, because the school I work at is an international school, and so a lot of kids are coming from overseas and Europe and countries that are affected by the coronavirus, so they don't want the kids coming over and affecting the students. Now, of course, a lot of the students will be screened and there's pre-precautions they're going to go into it so i think that's fine but you know it's disappointing you know and it kind of sucks because it's like okay now what am i going to do for the next couple of weeks now that i have no work are you at least still getting paid <clears throat> no because we have no work i probably have to go on like ei or something yeah well i know the feds have allocated some money for coronavirus but i'm not sure how they if they've allocated any extra for employment insurance, because there's going to be a lot of folk who will need that extra money. Yeah. And I mean, I'll try and get on it and I've, I've never done it before. So obviously this is going to be a whole new thing for me. Yeah. The hard thing with the is sometimes they do need a lapse of time before you can apply True. between when you weren't able to work and, yeah, so like if people are relying on AI, on EI, that's gonna suck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everybody, we just wanted to give you guys a quick update. I know that we put up on our Twitter page at Third Line Plug on Twitter. We already gave you guys the update about what we're gonna be doing, and Tim and I did talk about postponing, but we figured we could still produce content, even mm-hmm. if we're not talking game recaps and 
news stories and whatever. Like like I said, we, we still got our top five actual good things. We still got a season three retrospective. We still got the second half recap coming up. We still got stuff in the pipeline. So it's not like we're having, we have a shortage of content to do because we still got stuff. It's not a matter of if, it's now just a matter of when. Because this has totally thrown our schedule out of balance. Like Brandon was supposed to come on in a few weeks. We're in talks with him, see if we can maybe rush that a little bit so he can come on a little bit sooner. So everything's a work in progress right now, and yeah, I got no, I got nothing. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's uh, I think it's uh, life through your curveball, and as long as we're trying, like it's gonna be tough. Like the rest of the world, it's tough, but we might as well try to provide a little sunshine in whatever way we can, because it's not like we could do all that much to actually fight the virus outside of don't go outside, don't lick doorknobs. Yeah, well, I mean, you shouldn't look doorknobs anyway. Or as Spongebob would say, <coughs> licking doorknobs is illegal in alien planets. You know, I've never actually watched, watched Spongebob. Some of the earlier episodes are still funny even to an adult, but it's probably nostalgia more than anything else. So I guess if you didn't get into it as a kid, it's probably not going to appeal to you now, sort of thing. So, Tim, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about last week's episode, because... Overall, I think on my end, I wasn't as happy how it came out. I think for myself, listening back to it, I was stumbling through a lot of the words. I mean, granted, you can listen to this episode, so I'm trying to do the same thing. But <laughs> but for myself, like I remember listening back to it going like, oh, man, like this was not my best episode. But, there was a lot of ups and ahs. Like, both of us were kind of off. Yeah, it, it was what it was. And, I mean, it's just like, okay, you know, it's... It, it, as you said, it, we were both off. It was what it was. But I think the one highlight of that episode has to be the Bonk Mullet story. That is still funny. And when I was editing that, I was still cracking up laughing. I just thought, it's amazing. It's amazing how four years later I can look back and laugh. Because I was honestly a little bit embarrassed after those years. Like, oh, God, why did I do that to them? But now looking hey. back, and I have Third Line Plug and... You know, we've built up a fan base, and we've had Trevor Shackles on and whatever. I could look back and laugh at it. Yeah. And at the same time, you didn't get him to sign the jersey. No. I got Radic Bonk to sign my jersey, but not Bonk's mullet. So you're definitely in a better place. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, Tim, with all the craziness going on, i got to ask the all-important question. How was your previous week? It was it was an interesting week for sure, and uh, one of the fun things is uh, you know that like part of my background is uh, is finance and kind of on the quant side of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, you could imagine I was watching the markets, and something dawned on me. It I was real kind of mad. I don't actually have a brokerage account, and it would have taken four days to set one up. Okay, just for the people that don't know, Tim, what is a brokerage account? So a brokerage account is uh, an account where you put money in and then you can buy you, – from that account, you can buy assets. So – and not just like mutual funds or other stuff like that. You can buy th normally through the bank. We're talking about like you can directly buy stock, buy financial derivatives, bonds, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I was going to do some naked speculation. And uh, it was sad because I – I identified the opportunity, figured out my price points, 
And I'm like, shit, it'll take four days. And four days was too long. Heck, six hours would have been too long. So I missed the opportunity. And it, without getting into too many specifics, it basically would have been a, like a bet that normally would have been risky. But given that people, up until the NBA stopped, I don't think people really took the coronavirus too seriously. No, because it it takes one cancellation or one stoppage of play for people to really take it seriously. And huh. I mean, last week we were talking about places like California and these and these teams that you know, even in San Jose, like San Jose was told uh, about the coronavirus and said, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and with big gatherings and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah we'll be fine. Yeah, so what was happening is you saw some down in the market, but not you, you saw like down five percent, down four percent. You're like, okay, people are people are realizing that supply chains are going to be dis- disrupted, but uh, maybe they're not taking. Maybe it's not being fully realized as pandemic. The NBA gets canceled, and I think the oil shop came on the same day, negative twelve percent in one day. Because I had identified, like, oh, we're probably getting another 5% drop, so I could probably make money buying a financial derivative, calling the drop at 4%. Like, I kind of had that worked out. And then it, the next day, it was like, oh, I can't buy these. I guess whatever. It's probably a good thing I'm not playing around with money in these highly risky things anyway. Next day, negative 12. Fuck. I'm just sitting there like, I am so mad, right? It Like, you know when Homer invents the chair? What, Homer the Inventor? Yeah. And he's trying to catch Edison. Oh, well, yeah, he has the fucking two extra stools on the back. Yeah, yeah, and he leaves the hammer in the... He leaves the hammer in the Edison Museum. (coughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, don't talk to me, Marge. He's like, let's just say I'm sitting in the right chair. Exactly. I'm just like, this is the exact feeling right now. Because I probably would have multiplied the money by 10 or 20 times. You know what I'm picturing in my head right now when you say that is the pretty to Chuck oof face. It's like I knew exactly what I was going to do, but I didn't have the account. Because every other time, I don't need this account. Man, that sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, like... All, pretty much all of my other investments are either in cash or something very low risk. So it's like I haven't lost, I haven't actually lost much money. Okay, that's not too bad then. Like I think the only I had a small amount of my RRSP exposed to the market, so I lost like a thousand bucks on that. But that's going to come back in a few days, so I'm not worried. Ah, okay. So it's like it's it's not much, and that's what happens when you let things ride. Because that's the other thing, though, with these sort of things is like. If you get greedy, and this is the really funny thing, if you got greedy on, say, the bet I would have made on Wednesday, Thursday, market tanks, people, some people made similar bets and then held on thinking it would get worse. Guess what happened on Friday? What? Market bounced up 9%. So those people's positions got annihilated. You know what I actually learned over this whole, the coronavirus and the stock market dropping and whatever is that and actually somebody brought this up to my attention is that the stock market has a has a breaker where if it yep. drops too low, they push the breaker and it shuts down. Yep, we call that the kill switch. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically one of the things that's kind of fundamental about behavioral finance is uh, 
and this comes over to quantitative finance too, is uh, your losses are bigger than your gains in a day. So basically what that means is on an average to good day, you're usually up five, like up 2%, up 3% is pretty average good day. Mm -hmm. Because when people are trading and buying, you get kind of inflation going in there. People are buying, things are generally going up as people are optimistic about the companies. But it's not like this very, very rushed thing because you've got time. When things start going down, you usually you see the, the reds deeper than the green is on the other side because it's like, oh shit, I got it. Like if you're on a time-sensitive investment, it's like, oh shit, I got a dump now or I'm screwed. So you get just people throwing, like th selling whatever they can. And at the same time, people who are looking to make value buys are like, people will probably, people will panic sell more so I can wait this out. So the optimistic pressure is gone and it's just the pessimism. So you just get the market can sink like a rock. So that's why they have the kill switch. Yeah, like I said, I didn't even realize that they have one, which I shouldn't be surprised. It's definitely in the, um, in the past with, you know, the 2008 market crash or. The big one was Black, was Black Monday on, uh, in 1987 where they had a flash crash. Or basically, I, I forget what caused it. It was like people were kind of jittery anyway near the end of the Reagan years. And then I think it was a, either a glitch on the S&P or something happened and. It was cocaine. The market tubed like 15%, and then it was back the next day. Tim, it was cocaine. It was cocaine. But yeah, so uh, that's why they have the kill switch. Is to just stop like random, no good reason panicking. Solid. Yeah, so uh, I hope our listeners learned something about uh, behavioral finance. I know. All we're missing is like the now you know soundbite. You could just add that in post. Yeah, I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll quickly talk about my week because honestly, there wasn't really a whole lot that went on uh, because it's spring break. A lot of the kids left and I worked a couple of days last week. So that was all cool. And unfortunately, this coming week was supposed to be my only week off. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Whatever. I was supposed to work a an event the other night that got canceled because of the coronavirus. And then I was off what day was i off saturday either saturday yeah either friday or saturday and i got a text from one of my coworkers saying that yeah so our boss sent an email out we're not going back to work till like mid-april that's like i'm sorry what which kind of sucks and i know that yeah. there might be a limited staff meal run which i've told my boss i'll definitely work it if possible because well, i imagine most of your coworkers are saying that too no a lot of them are just like yeah we're fine oh okay yeah, I guess the other thing that's good... Actually, I was quickly looking up while we were talking about it, and apparently the federal government changed how EI is going to work, and they've waived the usual... You usually have to be out of work for 14 days or sometimes up to a month to claim it, and they've waived that, so... That's good. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. I guess the weirdest thing is I thought I was going to be watching hockey yesterday and tonight. <coughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Because we had a couple of games scheduled, and... Nada. Nada, yeah. I guess it's just getting used to getting used to that, eh? I know. I, I do love some of the memes on Twitter though. It's like day two without hockey. I realized there was a woman sitting on my couch. Turns out she's my wife. She's a nice lady. Pretty much. Although I, I think my favorite one is 
the NHL is canceled for two days, and the Canadians have already sequenced the virus. You cancel hockey, Canada cancels the disease. That's right. That, between that and Tim Hortons canceling the roll of the rim. They canceled roll up? Yeah. They're not doing roll up the rim this year because of the coronavirus. That virus has stepped too fucking far. It's all right. I'm not a coffee drinker anyway. I eat the same, but it's a Canadian institution. I know. What was the most you ever won off any of those roll up the rim, by the way? Donut. Yeah, same. Actually, it was funny. Uh, you know the day that, like, when Rudy Goldberg announced that he had the virus? Yeah. Uh, I went to work and I stopped by Teddy's and bought a big, like, a 12 of donuts. And then when I was like, these are the pandemic donuts because it's not going to be any more fun. Like, the fun stops now. <laughs> so let's at least enjoy life a little before we get locked into the house. Nice. So, Tim, usually this is the seg- this is the time of the episode where we would segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. We're going to take a little detour, and we're going to do a little segment called Discussion Point. So, for those that don't know, Discussion Point is the segment where Tim and I will discuss something we see online, whether it's an opinion, hot take, or just anything we find interesting. I think I found a good one for this week. And it's a kind of lighthearted uh-huh. one because, you know, the other ones we've done in the past would be like, you know, which player would you like to see talk about the Sens or whatever. Tim, do you remember the game company 2K Games? You mean the guys who make Grand Theft Auto? No, that's Rockstar Games. Oh, that's Rockstar. Yeah. No, isn't Rockstar owned by Take-Two? Nope. Uh, no, Rockstar, I think, is just their own company. Okay. So, Take Two, years and years ago, they were known for making sports games. Most notably, the NFL series. Wait, hold up. What? Tim was right. Rockstar is owned by Take Two. Oh, are they really? Yeah. Huh. Dab! See, Tim, I'm waiting for you to um, quote Lionel Hutz and be like, Look, how about that? I look something up. Hey, see, these books behind me don't make the office look good. They're filled full of useful legal tidbits, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So, the last couple of weeks have been really cool for sports video game fans because 2K announced the return of their NFL 2K series to home consoles. And, of course, the game that everybody remembers from that is NFL 2K5, which was the game that forced EA to just outright buy the NFL license. So they had the monopoly, like Madden has the monopoly for NFL sports games. And with this news coming out about the return of the NFL 2K series, there was a some suspicion and some speculation online regarding the possibility of 2K's other big sports series, the NHL 2K series. So for those that don't know, NHL 2K started off on the Sega Genesis Sega Dreamcast as an exclusive before it was then made for every console up until 2010 with NHL 2K11 before, well, that game was garbage, being the final entry. And I know that when you and I did our top five favorite hockey video games episode a few years ago, Tim, I know that you and I had picked games from the 2K series on the list, most notably ESPN 2K5 and NHL 2K7. So I got to ask the all-important question, Tim. What would you like to see 2K do if they were to bring the series back? 2K 
needs to really, really focus on having tight controls and good enough physics. Like, the game has to be fun to give EA a run for the money. Because EA's been kind of fat on their laurels for way too long, and you can kind of see it in the game. I will say, though, that the <laughs> EA NHL series, the last couple of years, they have gotten a little bit better. Because when they had NHL 15 that came out, it, it was garbage. Oh, God, was it ever garbage. The fan- hey, we're talking, like, it's been an improvement from a zero, like a zero percent to a twenty percent. Still an F. Still, I know, but there's a little bit of improvement. I mean, they. But, I mean, but think about it. They've got the three three mode, which I've never used. But they've got the online thingy that I also have never used. They've got mascots, which nobody uses. Yeah. So it's like that's the thing I think with if two K does come in. And if the NFL is willing to diversify, I've got a feeling the NHL will too. They just need to come in and just make a good game, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing about the 2K series over EA's NHL games, is that if you were to play them back-to-back, you could definitely tell the differences. Because the 2K games are always, control-wise... I always had to give the nod to EA. I always thought the EA games just controlled a little bit tighter and the game was just a little bit tighter. But that's not to say the NHL 2K was not great. Because it was really, really good. But you I could felt tell- like the game moved better on the 2K ones. EA ones, it felt like they controlled well, but I always felt like I was either skating through mud or everything was kind of slow. Which well, is like, funny I felt because. The 2K games paced better. Which is kind of funny, because I always kind of thought that about the 2K games. I thought at times that it, it depended on the game. It depended on, you could definitely tell with the physics and how the game played and everything. You could definitely tell the differences. What I what I would like to see 2K do is that, you know, like EA definitely has, you know, the hockey simulation down. I would like to see 2K do more of like an arcade kind of game. Not in the way of like, you know. NHL hits, which NHL hits should come back. That's a fantastic game, but kind of more of an arcadey experience because there's a casual market of arcade sports fans that I feel are being very underrepresented mm-hmm. in today's landscape because everybody has to go for the Maddens, everyone has to go for the you know the NBA Live series, everybody has to go for the EA's NHL series, and they're all simulation. And you might get the the rare, you know, NBA Jam or NFL Blitz, but that's it. Like, you don't get yearly releases of that like you did 20-some years ago. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I think 2K could do is just go for a more arcadey button hockey feel. Yeah, and I even, think that would be really well served. Exactly. I, even, like, back in the day is that unlike now where EA is the only player in town like 20 years ago you had ea you had 2k with their 2k series you had 989 sports with their nhl face-off series which sucked you had midway doing nhl hits you had oh, who else would have done games back then um but then you would have like the rarities like you know the wayne gretzky's 3d hockey stuff like that but i totally agree i would like to see that series go to more of an arcadey you could definitely have a you could definitely have it like a simulation, 
But I think if the game was more on the arcade side, I think it would be a very refreshing alternative to the EA series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess another thing would be, and I'd like to see is just me. Another interesting thing could be is that <coughs> have you ever played Football Manager? I have not. So basically, Football Manager is you play as the manager. So it's a soccer game where you do you don't get to play the actual soccer, but it's a very very deep VGM mode. Okay. I, I I have heard of it. I've never played it myself. Yeah, yeah. And I play something like that for hockey. Oh yeah, I totally. That's the only thing I do with the well, the only NHL game I have right now is NHL eighteen. And the only reason I bought it is because they have the expansion mode on it, where you can do the Vegas Golden Knights, or you can put a brand new expansion team. And that's fun. Like that's probably the only reason I bought the game. And I think I put more time into that than I ever did. In a single-player campaign. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I know I, I, like, what I enjoy for the NHL games is I like the BHEM mode. So I like managing, <coughs> I, I like managing the franchise. And I think I'd be very interested if they went, like, full, like, really deep and allowed you to do, like, some off, more off-ice management. Like, get fans' butts in the seats. And if you don't, you get fired and having those sorts of risks. And just making a very, very deep management simulator. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, because I think you could definitely attract the hardcore audience doing that. So if you had, say, gameplay that was more of an arcade experience, and the more dynasty modes or GM modes, you would definitely have a very in-depth experience. Definitely, like you were saying, like with the football manager games. So I totally agree with that. Oh, you know what they could do for, like, a, be a pro mode is uh, they could do what they do with their college basketball games and just have, like, a really big focus on it being, like, a story mode. Uh, one of the latest Maddens actually did that, too. They had, like, a story mode with their be a pro. Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah, I played it. It was actually kind of cool, to be perfectly honest with you. You know what? I wonder. It's Because I hear, like, the Madden games are actually fun. Like, is it just the the NHL division doesn't care? Um, the Madden, I, I like the Madden games myself. I'm not buying them year after year after year because it's basically, it's like the NHL games. It's exactly the same game every year. But it almost sounds like the base game for Madden is a better game. Pretty much. Yeah, well, the last one apparently wasn't as good. It was pretty buggy and whatever, but, you know, you got to realize that there's a really, really quick turnaround yeah. to make those Madden games. And even back in the day, like if you were, um, I think it was NHL 2003, they're behind the scenes little doc that they did. They talked to some of the programmers and they said, they said, yeah, we're working, you know, 14, 16 hours a day. And the turnaround is like, as soon as the game ships out, we go work on the next one. Yeah. And, and you have a year. To from it's really to funny because when you think about software project management, one of the iron laws of that is, when you have a big enough piece of code, any changes and fixes you do will introduce different bugs down the line. Because, like, the project is just so big and there's so many hands working on it that there's a chance that a bug that you didn't know, a bug that wasn't fatal before, becomes noticeable now because you changed some other behavior. So it's like, I get what they're working on, but the game that EA's been putting up for NHL has been so 
has had so many issues for so long that I kind of get the opinion. I'm of the opinion they don't really care. They don't. Well, I would imagine they don't care, but they also don't listen to their fans at all. And it's yeah. not until when NHL 15 came out and people bitched about it and the reviews came out about it and they were all average. And EA was then forced to listen to them. They're like, holy crap, like, hey, we made it a really bad game. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think the other thing is I think FIFA fans and Madden fans don't put up with as much shit as the NHL fans do. No, they don't. And it's funny we were talking about Madden because NFL 2K5, when that came out, that greatly outsold Madden. And Which that scared the shit out of EA because that's like, holy crap, like there's this other company making this game and they outsold it and the game was better than us than we, we what we had. And that's the other thing too is like Madden is their bread. Like Madden and FIFA are their bread and butter. <coughs> yeah, and you would think that a company like that would be like, okay, we had a game last year that got outsold by another. Let's try our best to put the best possible game we can do to sell them. That's not what they did. They were like, you know what? Fuck you, 2K. They would have bought the NFL license. Which, I mean, that is one way to solve the problem. It is. But you know what? There's a reason why years after the fact, a lot of football fans still love NFL 2K5, and a lot of the Madden games are not as well-remembered as that. Because NFL or Madden oh, 2005, the game that came out the same year 2K5 did, is always going to be remembered as the game that got outsold by 2K. But I think what? another big reason for that is because Madden sold at like 60 bucks, 2K5 sold for 20 And 2K purposely did that. Yep. They did the same thing with uh, the hockey games. Like, I remember 2K7 was a $30 game. Yeah, and it was smart, man. Like, 2K7 was a really good game, too, for the... What did, when did, what did you have it for, the 360? Uh, I had it for the 360, but they also did old-gen that generation, so uh, they had it for the original Xbox. Yeah, because I remember it was on the... Yeah, it was on the 360 I remember playing it back in the day with you. Yep. That was a good game. Actually, it was funny because it came... I had it for the original Xbox, and then we bought the 360 that year. Yeah. And it came with 2K7. Cool. I remember when my dad bought the Nintendo Wii when that came out. This was like a couple years after it came out. And he bought NFL, NHL 2K9. And that's a terrible game. 2K games, that's the problem with 2K games is that as the years went on, their games did not get good. They got worse every year. Yeah, I remember 2K8. Like, well, it was funny because I think the thing that really did them in was, I can't remember if they patented the still, yeah, they patented the skill stick. So 2K had to figure out how to make a stick-based control system that worked, but they couldn't use what two, what EA was using because they patented it. Mm -hmm. So they kind of got, like, they couldn't do it. I remember 2K9 for the Xbox was supposed to be pretty decent. But it was funny because uh, 2K8, you could actually just use 2K7's controls. Yeah, and even with the EA's NHL games nowadays, like they have the three control setups. You had Classic, Hybrid, and NHL 94. Actually, they've been allowing 94 controls since 2K since uh, NHL 10. 
Yeah, and I think for because uh, EA has patented the skill stick, and we're talking about 2K having the more arcade experience, maybe that's something they should go with. Is yeah. Don't worry about the fancy you know, stick physics or whatever. Just have a really fun arcade game. Because if you remember, NHL Hits didn't have that. And there's a reason why NHL Hits is still remembered for its game some almost 20 years after it came out. Oh my god, the amount of year hours I put into those games back in the day. Uh, you know what, I should grab it for... Actually, I have a GameCube sitting here, and I keep forgetting to bring games for, back from Duncan. Yeah? I should just see if I can find a copy, of, a used copy of NHL Hits. Worst to worst, I could just download one, because I have a GameCube emulator on my Wii U. Yeah. So I could just download that. Yeah. Little tip, though, NHL Hits 2003... St. Louis Blues, Pronger, Demetra, McKinnis, you're welcome. Oh, dear. I've won so many games with that lineup. <laughs> so, Tim, I guess that wraps up discussion point for today's episode. So, just a little disclaimer for the listeners. If you want to give us your take on our segment for discussion point today, choose an email, thirdlightplugsesgast at gmail.com. Well, I guess we get to go to another little section that you like to go to. Yes. This little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, Tim, you know how with Top of the Hour, you know how I feel about starting off with a death. This death actually kind of came out of nowhere because I had no idea he was sick. Calgary Flames Vice Chairman Ken King passed away at age 68 following a long battle with cancer. King served as President and CEO of the Calgary Flames and the Western Hockey League's Calgary Hitmen from 2001 to 2019 before moving on to Vice Chair where he served from 2019 until his passing. You know what? Ken King is one of these guys with the Flames that I think nowadays his legacy will be the the fight that he had with the city regarding the new arena. Yeah, and it's it's actually really interesting because the day he died was uh, Thursday, so that was the big ramp-up in Corona. Mm-hmm. And it almost got lost in the news cycle, even here in Calgary. And it was interesting because uh, the first person to really make a big statement about it was the mayor. And it was a very... You could almost see... It almost seemed like they were kind of friends just from how nice of a statement he made yeah but Neshi seems like one of those guys like he's just a, he seems like a kind of a genuinely good guy anyway even for oh, a yeah. politician I think that also does go to say that Kerry King even though like it's Kerry King no Ken King <laughs> dude but we're not Kerry talking King about the Slayer guitar. yeah I was gonna say we're not talking about lead, lead guitar player from Slayer although the I think rhythm he's guitar a guy who though. still had had, cur- had currency and uh, good favor in Calgary because he's definitely a guy who has stepped up and supported the community in a lot of ways. And one thing I definitely do, I do kind of get the flame side of the argument because the Sapple Dome is all old and it sucks for concerts. Like the acoustics in that thing just suck. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that too. But also, I'm to this, I'm kind of amazed even years after the fact with the flood Calgary had that the Saddle Dome is still in use. 
And I know that when they were looking for a new arena, that was the thing they brought up is saying, this is why we need a new arena, because this one was affected by the flood. Yeah, but that's the one thing that does kind of bother me. It's like, you're just going to build it on the same floodplain? But I guess if you build it with better flood defenses, then you might get it better. But yeah, it's in a place where if there's a if there's another flood, it's getting hit. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but when the Flames were proposing a new arena, didn't they propose one in the west part of Calgary where you guys are? I believe that was one of the proposals they made. But the one they ended up doing with the city is still it's on Stampede grounds. Yeah, I can see that. Well, it's but, de- well, definitely because you could have that a part of the the counter stampede every year, the same way they do with a saddle dome. Yeah. And yeah, that's the intention. And I guess the thing is, like, it is a good place. Like, as the way the city is structured, it is a good place for an arena. It's just when it floods. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Because I was talking with my realtor, and he was saying that. I think half of the 100 section of the Saddle Dome was flooded. Yeah, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I remember seeing the pictures of the interior of the Saddle Dome when it was flooded out. And I think he was right. I think, yeah, the, the bowl, most of the bowl was flooded. Yeah. And it was actually funny. We looked at a place in Earlton, which is a bit for, so it's a bit south of the Saddle Dome. Yeah. And uh, we're looking at the place and you could tell like, where the flood damaged, but it stopped around where that unit was. Mm-hmm. We're probably not buying that unit because it had other issues, but you could definitely tell where the flood was and where the flood was not. So let's go on to our next story, Tim. The New York Ranger, New York Rangers forward Brendan Lemieux has been suspended for his hit on Jonas Donskoy. His penalty has yet to be determined at the time of this recording. Brendan Lemieux is a repeat offender. I'm actually a little surprised by this one because... <laughs> It's usually just a phone interview, so I'm a little surprised Corona su- suspended that, but if there's no games, then I guess there's no point. True. But also, and usually with these kind of hits, Tim, like, I have no opinion if I haven't seen it. And this is another one of those plays where I didn't see it, I don't have really an opinion. The only thing I'm going to comment is, of course it would be Claude Lemieux's son that got suspended. <laughs> Chip off the old block. Oh, yes. Detroit Red Wings have re-signed Alex Bengay to a one-year $875,000 contract extension. Bengay recorded three assists in 48 games for Detroit this season at the time of the signing. It's interesting because I know a lot of, there have not been many signings at all by the Detroit Red Wings, and they're another roster that's going to have a huge amount of turnover this offseason. And it's surprising that it was Biega that got the signing because he's, he's a fourth-line guy. Yeah, but you know what? I see this more as a depth move more than anything else from the Red Wings, but given how poorly they played this year and how bad the roster is, I could honestly see him playing with the big club. Yeah. Well, you still got four years of Justin Applecater at 4.2. Yeah, and Jimmy Howard. (laughs) Was it four more years of Howard? No, Howard's done this year. Oh, is he really? Oh, shit, I didn't even realize. I thought he still had a couple years left. Yeah, no, and it... He's only, he's 30. I guess that's, one of the things I've always wondered about Jimmy Howard is, I always think he's older than he is. That's true. He is, he's always one of those guys. He seems like he's always just been around. Yeah. 
but at the same time, he's oh, it's always been like an around of should you be around? Because like you're always look at the save percentage, and I'm always kind of underwhelmed by it. That is true, but the problem is, is that Detroit really hasn't had a legitimately or a legitimate good goalie since Hasek, maybe. That was what two thousand eight. Maybe Osgood. Yeah, maybe. Ozzy might be one. I don't consider him a great goalie, but I consider him a pretty serviceable goalie. He's To yeah. me, he's, he's kind of like the Corey Crawford of the Red Wings of the 90s. He's, Except Corey Crawford is a good goalie. He was all right, but I mean, when you looked at the team around him, he just seemed like the one that seemed kind of out of place. That's true. I guess like the weird thing about Jimmy Howard is his best seasons are when he's playing less than 50 games. So I guess he's just, maybe he's just not a starter. No, he's really cooked, too, man. Like, this is brutal. Kind of the way that Cam Ward was. Like, Cam Ward was so cooked in Carolina because he didn't have a legitimately backup for him. Yeah. Like, they had it with Martin Gerber, and we ended up taking him from him. We took Martin Gerber about as far as he could, and then we cooked him, too. Yeah, that's true. The weird thing about Detroit is, like, Bernier is legitimately their best option. And that's just terrifying, Tim, that Jonathan Bernier is your guys' best goalie right now. Yeah, he's at least, he's, he at least has a .900 save percentage. So, Tim, let's close up top of the hour with the story that everybody wants us to talk about. The NHL and San Jose Sharks will adhere to the ban put on put in place by Santa Clara County on mass gatherings through the end of March in response to the spread of the coronavirus and are working to working together to determine an appropriate course of action of Sharks home games through the end of the month. Sharks well, we know the answer to that. No, now we do. Yeah, Sharks had home games versus Montreal, Boston, Arizona that were all impact due to the ban. But we've already had a good amount of time talking about coronavirus, so. Yeah. Can can we, can I just say something really quick, though? Yeah, yeah. I've got to give a lot of respect to guys like Sergei Bobrovsky. He personally donated a $100,000 to the Florida Panthers to make sure that part-time employees of the team got paid. Yeah, and about half the NHL teams have done something like that, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm really disappointed with the teams that aren't honoring that, like the Calgary Flames. Or the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, but that's the set. Like, Melnick's not going to pay for that. We knew that. That's why none of us are surprised about that. That's true. It's shitty, yeah, but, you know, come on. We knew he's not going to pay for it. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's good that the, that some NHL teams and I think a lot of NFL teams, MLB teams, and uh, NBA teams have also stepped up. Like, I know Mark Cuban, like, uh, the night, like, I don't, the, NA, the NBA had been postponed for hardly five minutes, and Mark Cuban was already saying he had a fun setup. Like, that's such a surreal, that interview, courtside interview with Mark Cuban is surreal. Yeah, it's weird too, dude. But no, I really appreciate those kind of the teams and all, and even the players say they'll donate money and they'll put it in funds for these people to get paid. Because 
they're the ones that are getting affected. These part-time employees, these event employees, they're the ones getting affected by this because they're only paid when events are going on. Yeah. Although with Ottawa in particular, it's a bit different because uh, those employees are contracted from basically the same group that I think works for, does has the federal government contract. Yeah. So uh, it might be a bit more difficult for the senators to do something about that. So who knows? True. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the air for this episode, which can mean only which can only mean one thing. It's time to go and talk about the games now. Of course. Due to the coronavirus, we've only got two games to talk about this evening. We've got the Sens versus the Ducks and the Sens versus the Kings. Now, usually I would say, now, before we do that, let's hit the music. But I'm just going to say one thing, Tim. And that is? Tim, prepare yourself for Tank Bowl! Hey, Tim, you know what's funny? You mentioned something to me before we hit record, because today's episode is going to be referred to as Tank Battle of Los Angeles. Can you tell the listeners your idea for the cover athlete picture we should have put up? Well, I mean, if we're doing Tank Battle of Los Angeles, and there's a wonderful Rage Against the Machine album cover for that is of the same name, we should have Joe Corvo on that album cover. Which, you know what, it's funny, like, if I had skills in Photoshop, I totally would do it. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have that, Tim. But, we do have a double tank bowl this week, so I'm very happy. Let's get right into this, Tim. Sens versus Docs is a 5-2 Docs victory. Sens goals scored by the real American, Brady DeChuck, and the other American, Colin White. Docs scores scored by Nicholas Delorier with a hat trick, Jacob Silverberg, and Ricard Brickell. Shots were 42-15 for Anaheim. Okay, Tim, so you know how usually I would do a recap of the game itself? This is all I need to play. <laughs> yeah, for his first game back after his leave of absence, Hogberg had an evening. And it, it was just a mix of a bit of rust... And some real weird stuff happening. That's true. Now let's quickly talk about it. Marcus Hogberg, 10 saves, a .667 save percentage. Statistically, fucking awful. But, I'm going to go ahead and be the devil's advocate here. And I'm going to defend Marcus Hogberg. Because yes, there is a lot of rust to him because he hasn't played. He's been over in Sweden. He came back. So I went through all of these goals... And I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. Okay, the first goal was a tip-in. Not much he could have done on that. The second goal, perfectly placed above his shoulder, so not much he can do on that. The third goal, handcuffed him. So basically, the, the puck came up high, he got his hands up, and it fucking handcuffed him. It hit his mask, went up and up and around him. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing you can do on that one. The fourth goal, from the slot, he should have had that. That one he should have had. And the fifth goal, he was terribly angled in that game because if you watched him on that fifth goal like his right leg was wrapped around the post and there was a big gap on the other side of the net where his leg's not long enough to catch it and that went in yeah 
So the so, so last two goals, I can't defend him on that. The but first one thing games. we do have to consider is the Senators played really good defense this game. Like, they kept Anaheim to 15 shots. No, he, no, he didn't. It was, yeah, it was a third save. So he had five saves on 15 attempts. So that's how he gets a, a two-third save, save percentage. I fucked like, up on the shots, didn't I? Yeah, like, L.A. had, sorry, Anaheim had very few shots that game. They were kept to 15 shots. Fuck, and I'm, they were I'm, shooting I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just realizing I totally fucked up on the shots because I said 42-15 ducks. It's just yeah, no, the Sens had the 42. Like, this, that is a, like, this is the perfect tank bowl game for me, the Ottawa Senators tank aficionado. Because the Senators played a very, 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 very good game. Now, given they that, just lost. Yeah, now, given that I only watched the first period, and after they went up 4 nothing, I was like, nope, not going forward with this. But there was a couple of players that I saw in the Cadets game, and even the first period that I really liked. I'm going to start off with Brady Kachuk. One goal, one assist, and four shots. It's really good to see him and Colin White having chemistry again without Mark Stone around. Yeah, and Colin White was fantastic this game. And Colin, like, uh, Colin White's been a guy that even since Twitter has jumped on the bandwagon of his good play. Yeah, and I think the big thing is it's just he's finally gotten some mojo back after that injury, and it's you could see what you could see what the organization saw when they signed him to that contract. Like he's forechecking and backchecking very well. He has a good eye for passing, and he can get pucks to the net. So, like, that's two parts of a very effective line. You know, it's funny. I was going to bring up Colin White in my notes, but I'm not going to do that because you made a really, really good argument for him with his contract and his game. So we're not going to go any further with that. I do want to talk about one thing in particular, though, and you know, with me. I always mention the DJs in these arenas whenever we play whatever team, whether it's at home or on the road. Anaheim is one of those teams that I always look forward to going to that rink and playing there, not just because I love the Anaheim Duck jerseys, you know my feelings on those, but because the Ducks DJ, I have to say, the music that guy was playing, fantastic. He was spinning some good tunes. He was. like Obviously, the Ducks used Bro Him by Pennywise as their goal song. Jump Around by House of Pain was used. I heard some Greta Van Fleet. And there's even a cover of The Chain by Fleetwood Mac that I heard. Oh, that was cool. Um, one last player I want to talk about, because this is just one of those games where you burn the tape for Marcus Hogberg. I really, I'm really happy with how Christian Willand has been able to jump. Like, sure, we're playing against absolute dog crap teams, but I'm very happy with how Christian Willand has been able to jump back in and it almost feels like he hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, and that was actually the one thing I noticed in the first period when I watched it is that I thought he looked pretty good in that game. And even in L against L.A., I thought he had a pretty decent game against them as well. Yeah, because Willanda played 18 minutes, and he looked good. And it's nice because it's <coughs> like it puts Mike Riley in limited minutes that he looks good in. So it's like the Senators actually have a pretty healthy left-hand side right now. And you know what? And that's just without Eric Brandstrom in the lineup, too, because you have Shabbat, you have Willannon, and Mike Riley. But now it's just on the right side is where we really got to put the work into it. Yeah, well, hopefully last, like next season, Lassie Thompson is good to go. 
or Bernard Docker. Uh, or Bernard Docker, and then Borvietsky rounds it out, and Zaitsev exists. Yeah. Like, you only really need one of Lassie Thompson or Bernard Docker. Well, I guess you probably want both, and then have Borvietsky and Riley as seven defensemen 7-8. Seven, True. But, I mean, it's going to really depend how this team looks for 2020-21. Exactly. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the second and final game of the evening? Um, there's been a lot of praise heaped on uh, the Senators' energy line of Scott Sabarin, Matthew Pekka, and Mikhail Bodker. I don't really see it. I, actually, I find that they get hemmed in a lot. You know, I, I think because their energy line, and you are right, they get hemmed a lot, but I think because they're always moving, they're always throwing the body around, is that you visually can see that they're working. Yes, maybe on a offensive defensive side of the puck, not that great. But you can tell that they're always moving, they're always around, and they're trying to make something happen sometimes. Yeah, because I'm not going to lie, I have a feeling that those three aren't back next season. No. Like, yeah, Sabrin was a fun story, but I think he's done. Yeah, and we uh, even talked about it last week, too. We had this whole discussion about it. Yeah, and it's interesting because... I think Peck, like, if the season was allowed to continue, Pekka would probably end up in the sub-10-minute zone. So I don't think DJ Smith really wants him back. No, and Bodker is definitely not coming back, and we already talked about that last week, you know, because he was in Smitty's doghouse all year. So we just got that last game of the season to talk about. Yeah, the premature end of the season. Sens versus Kings. This is a 3-2 Kings victory. Sens goal scored by Bobby Ryan and Chase Harlock. Kings goal scored by Trevor Lewis, Gabriel Verlatti, and Martin Frick. Shots were 39-26 for LA. A somewhat even game overall. Both teams started off playing with energy before Ottawa took over and dominated for a while before LA got their game going. For majority of the games, both teams took turns outplaying the other before LA took the lead, which they were hold to the victory. This game was so weird to watch. Because you could tell kind of the moment when both benches heard about the NBA being suspended. Because the game went from being kind of a, high, a high-paced entry with Bobby Ryan scoring a phenomenal opening goal to just kind of the game almost felt like distracted. Like both teams were kind of coming in and out of it. Plays just weren't connecting. Yeah, and that was the thing even in the second period. Like Ottawa could not get anything going offensively. They would take a pass, either miss the guy, bounce over the stick, or something would happen. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And L.A. was the same way. Like, Dowdy got a few rushes, but that was about it. Like, it was just a weird game, and you could tell everyone else's mind was elsewhere. And that arena was creep. Like, the Anaheim game, too, but this game in particular, that arena was a ghost town. Like... I don't think more than 5,000 people were actually there. And it's not just because the teams aren't very good, but it's also that California was under a Corona watch at that point. Yeah, like attendance, the reported attendance was 1,200 people. But you mean 12, that bowl was empty. Sorry, 12,000 people, but that first bowl was empty, man. Yep. So let's talk about Craig Anderson, Tim. 36 saves, a .923 save percentage. I have to say, for Ottawa, Craig Anderson definitely kept him in the, for most of this game. You know, it's not very often you say this about a goalie who led in three goals, but that was a really good performance. And if that's 
the last performance of Craig Anderson's career, I think he went out on a good note. Yeah. Like, that's I, the weird I, thing to think about this game. Like, all of a sudden, like, a routine game in Anaheim might be his last game, and, like, nobody has a chance to do a proper, like, plan to say goodbye. Like, that's so weird. Yeah, but we also can't forget that the goalie for L.A. also had a pretty good game, too, against us. Oh, yeah. Was it quick? No, it was uh, Patterson. Yeah. Both goalies were on, but it's just, like, the emotional thing, thinking it was, like, it's amazing that as you can kind of see the realization that the season might be gone creeping in on the players on the ice, it's amazing that Anderson was able to fight through it because that realization would probably be even tougher because it's like, this might be my last game. Yeah, so it's really good to see that if this is his last game in the NHL, that he went on on a high note, even if they lost, right? Because he had 36 saves. It would have been nice for him to get the victory, but you know what? We may have lost the game, but we won Tank Bowl. Exactly. But there's still a lot of positives to talk about this game. And uh, the first one I want to talk about is the Kachuk, White, and Ryan line. And you know what? I have Bobby Ryan in my notes too because he had one goal and one shot. I love the fact that he buried that chance, which I have to say, that's a goal that it looks like a gimme. That's a hard – it looks harder than it looks to bury that. Oh, yeah. And that was a skill – like to get that shot available is a skill play. Like, that's the Bobby Ryan we want to see. Yeah, and it's great to see that's the Bobby Ryan we have been able to see since he's come back from his stint in rehab. Yeah, no, I'm... Re- it's a bit of a shame that Bobby Ryan was playing some excellent hockey and it's been cut off, but again, what are you going to do? Uh, but Colin, like, Colin White has been really forcing the envelope. Like, I've been really happy with his play, too. Mm-hmm. And you were a guy that was always advocating him over the last several weeks before, like, since Twitter and everybody else jumped on the bandwagon. And when I saw people on Twitter starting praising Colin White, I'm thinking, Tim's been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, guys. Like, this is nothing new. No, it's... Well, it's the funny thing, right, is the NHL is definitely... As much as we like to say we should, say we should be evaluating people on the underlying statistics because those are what's actually driving what's going on. Mm-hmm. Even people who are watching the advanced stats, if you're not scoring you're going to ask questions. And that's kind of what's happening with Colin White is it's like the performance is good, but I <coughs> wish, I wish he'd be able to do something sort of thing, you know, kind of again, it's hard to just kind of pull yourself out. It's like, no, it's fine. He's, he's performing well, but it's just not going his way. Yeah. Kind of like with Anthony declare when he went through that 20 game goal streak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one guy I do want to talk about is chase Harlock. One goal and one shot. This was actually a game that I, surprisingly actually kind of noticed him in this game. Well, it's like he was on a line with Duclair and Paul, and that that was a line that was working too. So I was pretty happy with the way they were playing as well. Uh, The only line I was really disappointed with was the Balsers Tierney Brown line. They they were off. That's true. Yeah, actually, that's a very, very good point. Um I really don't have any more notes. The last note, and I think this is the note we could probably end our third season of podcasting on, Tim, is now the draft lottery and how this stands. Keep this in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Detroit at one, Ottawa at two, Ottawa v. San Jose at three, LA at four. And it's one of the nice things is 
depending, no matter how they cut it, like if they roll it back and only count from game 68 on, or if they, like the only way Ottawa gets screwed out of this draft position is if they just throw out the whole result, if they throw out the whole table. But I don't think they'll do that because they played enough of the season. That's true. But uh, the one thing I do think is we aren't having a draft lottery April 9th. I doubt it's going to happen on April 9th. Because I think the NHL is still hoping that they'll be able to play a few more games to close out the season. Mm. And you can't really, you can't fully do the draft lottery. Well, I guess you can do the draft lottery without playoff results. If they dispose of the hope of doing like the playoffs without some catch-up games to fill in the regular season, mm-hmm. then I think they might be able to just do the draft lotter- do a draft lottery on April 9th, but I have a feeling that call is going to be pushed back too. And I wouldn't be surprised if the draft itself is pushed back after the playoffs, should they occur. Tim, can they just cancel the season already so we can win the draft lottery? <laughs> that would be that would be nice. Maybe, maybe. I guess the one thing I like looking at the standings tables, I didn't realize just how San Jose was. They are a bad team this year. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, I didn't. I don't think I truly appreciated that. And I guess the other thing is, is it kind of sucks that Vancouver got edged out of the playoffs, but whatever. It's what happens. That's true. I mean, I honestly didn't expect them to make the playoffs this year anyway. I thought, you know, they were still a year away. So. But it would have been cool to have all four of the Western Canadian teams in the playoffs. That would have been cool. It would have been. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make before we head off into the close for our third season? Ah, you know, maybe it'll be time to actually cheer for the Senators to win a game. Hey, well, you know what? With the draft picks we got, we'll definitely be given a reason to cheer for the team next year. Like, legit cheer, not like tank cheer. Yeah, no, uh, that's one <laughs> thing is, once hockey comes back, I think I'm going to be really excited to cheer for the Senators and watch them win. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network where you can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We are on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 9 Honey Badger. I'm at GreatGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the games, talk to the hour, discussion point, or you want to talk about Tank Bowl, Shoot, excuse me, shoot me an email. ThirdLineBlogSoundsCast at gmail.com. So, Tim, because this, at the moment, is the end of the season, we have no more games. And I feel like we should take this time to just thank the listeners for their support over our third season. We enjoyed doing it. I know you guys enjoyed listening to it. And we will definitely be back in Season 4. And you know what, guys? Just like another great number 4, Season 4 is going to be the best. Yep. So I guess uh, to everyone else out there, keep your stick on the ice. Absolutely. Until next season, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tip Jensen. Go Sands, guys. <laughs> <laughs>